0: He's at it again. The Department of Labor is seeking to weaponize American retirement funds as part of President Biden's anti-fossil fuel agenda. Wow. All at the expense of your retirement savings. Well, that sounds bad. I'm sure there's not
1: more to that story.
2: Right? Well, I don't know why I came
3: here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling something. I'm scared in case I fall off my chair And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right Here I am, stuck in the middle with you
1: I am From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast As heard on KPFK, 90.7 FM in LA Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding On KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York WRFZ, down in new orleans on whiv out in gallup new mexico on kniz concord new hampshire's wnhn fayetteville Arkansas's kpsq seattle's kodx jamesville wisconsin's wadr and minneapolis st paul's am 950 ktnf we also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the progressive voices channel netroots radio radio for humans NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. That was Congressman, Republican Congressman Aaron Bean... Of Florida, I think that's his name, does he do? Yes,
3: yes, it is.
1: <laughs> Aaron Bean, uh, there. Mr. Bean Mr. goes Bean, to Washington. Yes, claiming to lie
3: to the public well, on the House floor. You no,
1: know, he's claiming that uh, 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 President Biden wants to, I guess, gut your <laughs> what was it? <laughs> the, your the retirement pension, the retirement funds, funds for yeah, old people. That yeah. that sounds just like Joe, doesn't it? Uh, We will get to uh, what what that's really about momentarily. Um, But let me start here. Last week, the Public Religion Research Institute or PRRI. A nonprofit, nonpartisan organization dedicated, they say, to conducting independent research on religion, culture and public policy. They released the results of their annual very detailed survey of nearly 23,000 adults living in all 50 states and the District of Columbia on views about abortion their annual review, this one from 2022. It's a survey with a huge sample size, like I said, 23,000 people. That's a very large survey. And it's got a whole lot of stuff in it on all aspects of the matter. And since Roe v. Wade was overturned last year by our corrupt, stolen, and packed right-wing Supreme Court, it uh, this report, in fact, focuses in particular on attitudes on abortion and the law in the wake of Rose overturning last year with the court's Dobbs decision. So lots there, and I will link to the full report when I post today's show at bradblog.com tonight. But here are a central point or two from the study. Almost two-thirds of Americans, that would be 64%, say that abortion should be legal in most or all cases. The share of Americans who say abortion should be legal in most or all cases has continued to increase since PRRI began tracking abortion uh, uh, legality back in 2010 and when it was still a majority, but only 55 percent felt it should be legal in all or most cases back in 2010. Now it is up to 64 percent. The study breaks down all of these numbers based on uh, everything from party affiliation to religion to race and ethnicity, education level, gender and sexual orientation, age, geography, etc. And regarding geography, the report finds majorities of residents in 43 of 50 states and the District of Columbia say that abortion should be should be legal In most or all cases, and that when it came to Roe v. Wade specifically, about which the right has waged a so-called culture war now for at least 50 years since the reproductive freedom was established as a constitution, theoretically guaranteed constitutional right. uh, The PRR research study finds that, quote, in. 2022, just one third of Americans, 34 percent, favored overturning Roe v. Wade. 63 percent opposed it. Moreover, in fact, the new study finds, quote, less than half of the residents of every state and the District of Columbia support overturning Roe v. Wade. In other words, there is not a state, not one single state in the nation, in which a majority favored overturning Roe v. Wade. Not one single state, according to this survey. Including those states in the South, etc., where you know lawmakers have defied, apparently, the will of their own residents to ban abortion or to make it incredibly hard to obtain one. Now, abortion, of course, is the mother of all culture war issues, if you will, in this nation, and... Uh, Even in that supposed war, those who have been waging it now for years do not represent nearly a majority of Americans, not even in one single state in the case of Roe v. Wade. But the right has waged the war for decades. They've raised, of course, millions of tens of hundreds of millions of dollars, perhaps on it. At least in their battle against Roe, at least in their battle to take away freedoms from Americans, the party that pretends to support freedom, that battle they have seemingly, at least for now, won. But in general, uh, you know, we don't cover a lot of the so-called culture war nonsense issues on this program, because, in fact, most of these wars aren't actually wars at all. They are uh, publicity. They are PR gambits for a political party that stands for next to nothing other than increasing their own power and their own bank accounts of, the, of their own donor class. End of story. But that's why they wage uh, m- most of these so-called culture wars to avoid having to deal with real issues that Americans actually do care about. While they hoax their own supporters into becoming outraged about something that they don't even really know about, much less care about, or in this case, in the case of Roe v. Wade, that they even agree with. But they end up then hoaxing the non-right-wing media into covering this pretend war and then you know, non-right-wingers like Democrats and progressives are hoaxed into having to respond to it. And before you know it, well, fake war accomplished. So even talking about these so-called culture war issues, I realize I'm playing into their scam. I'm sorry about that. I usually don't do it. But I think I owe you an explanation as to why I don't do it and, frankly, why you should not either. Other than, of course, to laugh and ridicule those who are gullible enough to fall for these things. A story from The New York Times this week highlights my point uh, precisely uh, by both explaining the newest phony battle in the pretend culture war from the right... And it's like there's a new one every goddamn day.
3: Oh, yes. They collapse into hysterics almost every day over some new culture war problem.
1: And this is one that uh, presidential hopeful, of course, Ron DeSantis is again leading the way on. He's hitting it hard. And, and uh, you know, by giving it the oxygen it needs to exist in the first place, you know, that's why I don't even like to talk about them. even as Fox News naturally, they're they're all over it, which means the rest of the media jump in. and eventually Congress is then forced to act on this whole phony pretend made up war that prevents Congress and the media and, and Americans from focusing on stuff that would actually serve the public rather than distract and harm the public. So the New York Times piece is headlined, quote, how environmentally conscious investing became a target of conservatives. And of course, there is nothing conservative about any of this. So the Times has already failed the public with its headline, in my opinion. But it also fails in that it gives this fake issue legitimacy simply by writing about it in sort of a passive way. As if it's actually a thing, which it is not until it is because The New York Times and others on the non-right will grant it legitimacy by, well, writing about it. Quote, the business world has been pulled into partisan politics with Republicans bringing their battle against socially conscious investing to Congress. That's the sub headline for The Times article. Written by David Gellis, which the uh, paper helpfully explains, quote, is writing about how climate change has become part of the culture wars. And of course, I will note that it has become part of the culture wars in no small part because The New York Times is declaring it officially to be part of the culture wars. A war to save humanity itself on planet Earth? No, no. It's just another one of those darned left right culture wars, I guess. Who knows? We'll just watch the uh, partisans battle it out. Gellis writes uh, It's been a widely accepted trend in financial circles for nearly two decades. But suddenly, Republicans have launched an assault on a philosophy that says that companies should be concerned with not just profits, but also how their businesses affect the environment and society. More than $18 trillion is held in investment funds that follow the investing principle known as ESG. Now, do you know what ESG is? Probably not. I did not. Until this latest pretend so-called culture war was announced, Desi Dorn, you said you have heard of it. Before yes. all of this, yes,
3: it's it's not new to me. It's something that's fairly fairly common. I mean, it's simply it's really just a, an investment framework. Well, all it does is it helps investors understand how it, how things might affect their investments. If you understood,
1: if you had heard of this, I would I would argue you are among the minority because well, yeah. I suspect most of our listeners, I know certainly me, but most of our listeners and uh, you know their friends and family have no idea what ESG is. Unless they watch Fox News, in which case they probably by now know exactly what it means as ESG is now the latest BLM, CRT, alphabet of phony wars, uh, culture wars. Take your pick. For the record, while I had heard the phrase critical race theory, maybe two or three times over my 50 something years of life prior to the Republicans creating this one sided pretend war over it. Uh, I had heard of it as a a theory or an area of, you know, postgraduate, postdoctoral study, radical African-American race studies or something. I had never actually heard it described as CRT until I guess Fox News needed a shorthand version that would fit onto the lower third chiron on their screens or something. To me, CRT had always been cathode ray tube But, uh, you know, as, as and for you younger people That's the vacuum tube technology that used to be used for uh, TV and computer monitors Until it was replaced by LED flat screens Anyway, I digress ESG, in case you did not know, as I did not uh, As the Times describes it Is shorthand for prioritizing environmental, social, and governance factors ESG A strategy that has been adopted, they say, by major corporations around the globe for many years now, as Desi notes. Now, Republicans around the country say that Wall Street has suddenly taken a sharp left turn. Wall Street. Wall Street has taken a sharp left turn, you know, as major Wall Street corporations do, those lefties. With Republicans uh, now attacking what they term woke capitalism and dragging businesses, their one-time allies, into the culture wars, reports Gellis. Because I guess it beats dealing with, you know, real things, especially things that are actually related to our climate crisis. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. The rancor escalated this week, notes Gellis, as Congress entered the fray. Republicans used their new majority in the House on Tuesday to vote. 216 to 204 to overturn a a Department of Labor rule that allows retirement funds to consider climate change and other factors when choosing companies in which to invest. It does not force them to do so. It allows them to do so.
3: It does not require it in any way whatsoever. It just allows money managers to consider these things if they want to. Which reminds me of
1: uh, one of the previous culture wars, there are so many, but one of the previous culture wars over marriage equality, back when that fight was uh, ongoing. You know, when I used to have to clarify that uh, even though gay marriage will be allowed, it will not be mandated. (laughs) You do not have to marry someone of the same sex once same sex marriage is allowed. Anyway, uh, frankly, I would be fine if they were uh, forced to consider climate change and other factors like that when choosing companies in which to invest. But that is not the issue here. They were simply allowed to do so. So that passed in the new Republican majority House, and then the Senate followed on Wednesday with two Democrats, Senator Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia and John Tester of Montana, both joining Republicans to send this resolution to President Biden's desk.
3: Both Tester and Manchin are up for reelection in 2024.
1: The White House has said that uh, Biden will block the resolution. It would be the the first veto of his presidency. And as if to underscore the issue's sudden visibility, former Vice President Mike Pence, who is probably going to be running for president, he let loose on Twitter on Tuesday, quote, disappointing that President Biden is putting ESG and woke policies above hardworking Americans retirement accounts. We will keep fighting until we put a stop to ESG once and for all. (laughs) Well, gosh, I hope so. I mean, think of the children. But of course, that is what they are decidedly not doing in this case. Back to the Times here. ESG investing has become routine on Wall Street for years. Most companies Issue extensive reports about their efforts to combat climate change and commitment to workplace diversity. And now they do so whether they actually carry out those efforts or not, but you know, they got to pretend. In recent months, however, so called conservatives have increasingly attacked the practice, arguing that it promotes liberal priorities ranging from renewable energy, oh, God forbid, to black lives matters uh, matter the black lives matter movement and of course those things sound terrible clean energy renewable energy that doesn't kill people and helps to save humanity that must be stopped and of course the abhorrent idea that black lives actually matter what is that woke wall street thinking Gellis notes, and while ESG applies to everything from diversity among corporate leaders to corruption controls, it's the E in ESG that the the idea that the private sector needs to consider its impact on the environment that has emerged as the top target of Republicans. Aha. Now we are finally getting to the heart of the matter here. Officials in Republican led states argue that it would lead to disinvestment in fossil fuel companies. Well, there you go, making it a top target of right wing commentators and politicians. Is this all starting to make sense now? Alexandra Mihalescu uh, uh, Sishon executive president at Rep Risk, a company that helps corporations track their ESG goals. Yes, there are companies that have been created to do exactly this for years, and there was no war about it until now. Sishon told The Times, quote, ESG has been caught in the cultural war crosshairs in the U.S. It's become a liberal versus conservative, Democrat versus Republican issue. Actually, it's become a Republican issue. End of story. And by calling it a war, we are somehow uh, conceding that, you know, those of us who don't watch Fox all the time are in some kind of war over this, quote, culture issue of ESG. Is a livable planet for humanity now simply a debate about culture Well, I would like to live on a planet where the climate doesn't kill me. No, I want to live in one where most people can't breathe and can't even go outside for more than a few minutes every day. It's culture war. The uh, Labor Department rule is likely to remain on the books. However, as Republicans do not appear to have the votes to overturn a promised veto from the White House. But the House vote on Tuesday was just the start of what's expected to be a lengthy campaign against ESG because, of course, it is. Congressman Patrick McHenry, the North Carolina Republican who leads the House Financial Services Committee, announced the formation of a Republican ESG working group. (laughs) Republicans plan hearings this year, at which the Times uh, calls the uh, conservative lawmakers likely to grill executives from some of the nation's biggest banks on their views about climate change, social issues and more. And the Times also notes that there are indications that this pushback is gaining traction. Vanguard, one of the world's largest investment firms, recently withdrew from the Net Zero Asset Managers Initiative, an effort intended to get institutional money managers engaged in the fight against climate change. And that, of course, is the entire point. Whether the dupes who watch Fox News and have been told to be outraged about ESG, oh, it's going to kill their retirement funds somehow, after they have already been told of late to be outraged about CRT and BLM and EIEIO, whether they actually realize it or not, they are enlisted in this war to help kill a livable planet for themselves and their own kids and their own grandchildren, and they have no idea. BlackRock, The world's largest asset manager has been going out of its way to remind politicians that, yes, it still invests in fossil fuel industries. Please don't harm us. Please don't hurt us. As the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission considers a new rule that would require corporations to disclose their carbon emissions, not to cut them, mind you, just to disclose them, to disclose what their carbon emissions are each year. As the SEC is considering a new rule to require that, industry groups, fossil fuel companies, and Republican lawmakers have been pushing to limit that. Don't tell anyone how much you're killing the planet. That's an outrage. And that's what this is all about. Not even letting people know what the carbon emissions are, what the carbon output is of any various company. We can't have that. Around the country... Republican state treasurers have been withdrawing billions of dollars in the meantime from firms like BlackRock that they deem uh, to be, quote, woke, even while BlackRock is still saying, wait, we love deadly fossil fuels. Don't take your money away from us. To the ranks of wonky risk management professionals who have toiled over the minutia of ESG reports for decades now, the political fracas is perplexing. Quote, until very recently, it was both obscure and also just accepted as a general part of investing, said Josh Lichtenstein, a partner at uh, law firm Ropes & Gray, who is tracking the ESG backlash. The term ESG was first introduced in a 2004 report prepared by the United Nations and 20 financial firms, including, you know, those woke lefties at Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley and UBS. Not exactly the most lefty woke organizations in the world. The current ESG backlash can be traced to Texas, where in 2020, oil executives began complaining that big banks like J.P. Morgan had stopped lending them money. Got it? Is it beginning to come together for you now? Republican legislators in Austin took up their cause. Quote, if ESG is not put in check, not only will future retirees face challenges in the years ahead, but we could see record bankruptcies and layoffs in the energy sector, said Wayne Christian, one of the Texas energy regulators back in 2021. Never mind that investment in renewable energies and technologies, let's say, oh, I don't know, electric vehicle maker, Tesla, would have netted huge gains for those future retirees that uh, Wayne Christian is so worried about. Never mind that the so-called energy sector is much larger than just the oil and gas industry, and that renewable energy is, by the way, far more promising for future investment gains than is fossil fuels. Never mind that. The Republicans in Texas want to help their billionaire donors in the fossil fuel industry, period, end of story. And so they have invented this new pretend so-called culture war on ESG. In 2021, Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed a law prohibiting the state from contracting with or investing in any business that was Quote, boycotting fossil fuels because, you know, freedom and the free market and all of that stuff, right? Yeah,
3: we can't, we're not going to let you invest in any company that doesn't invest in what we tell it to invest in.
1: Since then, uh, others have taken up the fight, of course. The far right Heritage Foundation producing a series of articles and podcasts explaining why it sees ESG as a threat to the American way of life. ESG is a direct assault. On the heart and soul of the free market economy, said an executive at the Heritage Foundation. To to save that free market, I guess, we have to we have to adopt laws that force companies to not take part in the free market by investing in whoever and whatever they want to invest in for the, you know, it's for the good of their own company. But never mind that. Let's block them in this free market. <laughs> Senator Sheldon uh, Whitehouse, Democrat of Rhode Island, said he believed the Republican position on ESG was more about ginning up outrage than about how much of a financial risk that climate change actually posed to long term investment. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, Quote, he said they invent culture war provocations that drive clicks and woke capitalism is part of that. Exactly, which is why we just generally don't cover this nonsense because when we do, we're taking part in the war, we are giving it legitimacy that it does not deserve, but I thought you needed to know about what's really going on here. Senator Whitehouse added that he believed the fossil fuel industry was responsible for funding much of the payback uh, uh, much of the pushback groups like the Texas Public Policy Foundation which has been opposing Climate action around the country, they are supported by, wait for it, oil and gas companies, of course, and the oil and gas industry continues to donate to Republicans at far greater rate than it does to Democrats, according to Open Secrets. Uh, And yet, with each week, Republicans around the country uh, continue to intensify this campaign against ESG. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis uh, has now said that he would seek to bar the state from even considering ESG factors when issuing municipal bonds because free market. Am I right, Ron? Financial institutions caught in the middle of this uh, say that they don't know what's going on. It makes everything difficult. It's having an impact, said Ivan Frischberg, a uh, chief sustainability officer at Amalgamated Bank. Quote, it's a chilling one. It's a complicated one. And one uh, and, and none of that is good for business. Well, I guess it depends on which business you're in, Ivan. Ivan. As David Kurtz writes in Thursday's TPM morning memo, stop calling it the culture wars. Republicans have gone to their reliable playbook, turned something into a, quote, partisan issue in order to undermine consensus. Put an issue or constellation of issues off limits and exploit the fearfulness of controversy avert Averse institutions and corporations. The latest target, he says, is ESG. He links to Gellis' article at the Times, which uh, both explains the issue and establishes it as, yes, a quote, controversy, whether it actually is or not. Kurt says we talk about this stuff a lot as part of the, quote, culture wars, but that bestows a legitimizing gloss on it as if there is some deeper, truer cultural dispute. There is not, he notes. This is a GOP tactic and a highly effective one, in part because media coverage still fails to get it. It gets treated like these things just happen as if Democrats or Fortune 500 companies stumble into previously unseen culture war ambushes because they lack a feel for flyover country. Yes, if if only these big corporations understood the real concerns of middle Americans, you know, those middle Americans who have just had it up to here with ESG. A concept and a phrase that they never even heard of, and neither did I until Fox News started pretending that it was a thing. On behalf of, yes, the fossil fuel companies, but Fox and friends, they forget to mention that point when they gin up the outrage over ESG and CRT and BLM and whatever three-letter coded shorthand they want to add to their ever-growing, one-way, so-called culture war That it, you know, behooves them to pretend is a pitched battle between two evenly balanced sides of a partisan uh, battle. Pick a side. Are you with us or them in this pretend war on woke that you must be outraged about? And getting folks angry about ESG Uh, It's apparently much easier, you know, than mentioning that this is actually about support for dirty fossil fuels that are killing those very same people on watching Fox News and their children and their grandchildren. During the debate in the Senate on this ESG resolution that Republicans forced through on Wednesday and Biden is likely to veto, Rhode Island Senator Sheldon Whitehouse offered these thoughts on the pretend ESG controversy.
0: Thanks, Madam President. I'm delighted to join my colleagues here to talk about this uh, so-called anti-woke capitalism or anti-ESG scheme that has been uh, propagated. The Republicans would like us to believe that some bizarre viral epidemic of wokeism has spread into America's great financial companies into the investment advisors, into the banks, into all kinds of fiduciaries, and that that needs to be somehow excised. That is not what has happened. That is preposterous, magical thinking. What has happened is that the long forecast dangers of climate change that scientists have been telling us about for years have now gotten so real and so immediate that they have hit the due diligence horizon for big banks, big investment companies, corporate boards, and other fiduciaries. When they're done talking about woke capitalism, and when they're done talking about anti-ESG stuff, when you actually look at what the objection is, what the specific thing is that they're pushing back against, In the ESG, it's always the E. Mm -hmm. It's never the S. It's never the G. It's not social stuff. It's not governance stuff. It's environmental stuff. And within that E for environmental stuff, it's E for emissions. That is always the gravamen of the complaint.
1: That's exactly right. Sheldon Whitehouse, as usual, has it exactly right. TPM's Kurtz goes on to note that the uh, New York Times piece on this pretend ginned up war on ESG, highlighting its uh, passive subheadline. He notes uh, that subheadline reads, quote, "The business world has been pulled into partisan politics with Republicans bringing their battle against socially conscious investing to Congress." Well, this doesn't just happen notes Kurtz, Republicans and right-wing activists make it happen. They devote a lot of time and energy and resources to it. Real money, real resources. None of this is passive. By almost any measure, he notes, Republicans have already won uh, once, they, uh, once they've, quote, made it a partisan issue. What seems to get misunderstood, he says, is that that's the actual goal. Corporations and institutions do not want to pick sides in these battles. They want to play it down the middle, he contends. So Republicans keep shifting the so called middle, which is not actually the middle at all. They keep shifting that so called middle farther and farther to the right. By this point in the controversies, the game is basically over already, which, of course, is generally why we do not cover them on this program, because it helps the whole thing. It helps shift the whole middle. To the right. Even railing against them is, yes, playing into the scheme. I realize that it's a uh, a tacit acknowledgement that there is a so-called war in the first place when there isn't unless they create one and their uh, imagined foes enter that pretend war to make it an actual one. And yes, then the bad guys have won. Then the terrorists have won. Because at that point, we're not talking about things that actually matter to Americans like healthcare and the economy and, God forbid, how to make sure that we leave a livable planet behind for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, etc. As Kurtz correctly concludes, uh, what's maddening is that everyone keeps getting played. Well, not us and hopefully not you. At least if you're smart enough to listen to the broadcast where we usually do not waste time on phony so-called culture wars. And the same is true, for that matter, if you listen to our Green News report, which has for more than 14 years now reported on those so-called ESG related things that the fossil fuel companies and the Republican supporters and even their Democratic ones like Tester and Manchin in the Senate, apparently we've. You know, talked about those ESG related things that they really don't really, really prefer that we did not discuss over your public airwaves, but we are going to keep doing so. We did so and we do so and we will continue to do so with your support, not the support, apparently, of the oil and gas industry. One of those Green News reports, by the way, our latest is coming up uh, a little bit later in this hour. Yep. You are welcome. (laughs) But let's take a quick break here, and we'll be back with a bit of encouraging accountability news this week that you may or may not have heard following up on a story from last week that we covered, and it will include a bit of Jon Stewart as well. So you won't just have to listen to me ranting for a minute or two. That's all straight ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
3: The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks.
0: And all you can do is laugh at her. Doesn't anybody know how? To-
1: That tune by Paul Revere and the Raiders goes out to our longtime listener, Ron, who says it is his favorite song of all time. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from <laughs> bradblog.com. Love you, Ron. Uh, in in somewhat uh, lighter, maybe, or uh, more encouraging news today, an update to a story that we initially covered last week and that I, I haven't been able to get to until today. Uh, an update in our coverage of the documentation that was released last week by the new Democratic Attorney General the great state of Arizona, Chris Mays. She revealed with those documents that, her office has discovered uh, since taking office uh, in, in in January that the previous attorney general, Republican Mark Burnovich, had assigned his entire state attorney general's office at one point, all 60 investigators in the office, all the lawyers, all the other staffers as well, back in 2021 to put, quote, all hands on deck to investigate claims of fraud in the 2020 presidential election in the state. Uh, Mays found that Bernovich had spent 10,000 hours, that's 10,000 Arizona taxpayer-funded hours, on this investigation that was begun after the dopey cyber ninjas had their silly post-election so-called forensic audit of the 2020 election in Maricopa County. That's the state's largest county. It's the home of Phoenix. More than 60 percent of the entire state's vote is there. He started this after the Cyber Ninjas finished, after they had actually confirmed Joe Biden's victory over Donald Trump in the state. His all hands on deck investigation and final report we learned just last week had actually been completed by March of 2022, but it was never released to the public by Brnovich's office before he left office. Even though Brnovich had told state lawmakers last summer that they were still working on the investigation and that so far they had found, quote, serious vulnerabilities, unquote, in the election system. At the same time, of course, uh, Brnovich was running for the Republican nomination in the state uh, of Arizona for U.S. Senate last year against a bunch of far-right MAGA election deniers, one of whom, Blake Masters, eventually uh, won the nomination over Brnovich and then went on to lose against Democratic Senator Mark Kelly last year. But here was a sit down interview with Jon Stewart, formerly of The Daily Show, now of The Problem with Jon Stewart, interviewing Burnovich in October of last year after Burnovich had already failed to win the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate. And this was a full six months or so after his investigation had secretly finished. It was just days before the November 2022 midterms in which uh, Arizona's Republican candidates for governor, secretary of state and attorney general had all been claiming that the election in 2020 was stolen by Joe Biden. So keep that in mind, as we now know uh, during this interview, that uh, Arizona's then attorney general, Mark Burnovich already knew the results of his months long probe when Stewart was asking him about it.
4: Right now we have about, I think, almost 20 criminal cases related to the 2020 election. Out of four million votes. Yeah, no, I'm talking in facts, John. But the reality is, is there are Millions of people, not only in Arizona, but people throughout this country that think the election is stolen. There's people that believe in
2: angels, but that doesn't mean you launch an investigation that angels changed ballots. Like, a bit of a tautology. When you have a former president spreading rumors to his supporters, for instance, Trump can say 74,000 mail-in ballots received that were never mailed, magically appearing ballots. 168,000 fraudulent ballots printed on illegal paper, 36,000 ballots illegally cast by non-citizens.
4: Now, the truth is, none of that was real. When it first came out, the Cyber Ninja said, Joe Biden won Arizona. And then they got a lot of pushback, and then they started hedging and hawing. And then next thing you know, people were like, well, Brnovich needs to do something about it. And then it was like, a hot mess. But you've
2: responded by doing things about it. You've what I've done said is, you're still investigating. We've run
4: it, We've run a lot of the stuff to ground. And, and when, I, I, and I, I, when you me.
2: get it to ground, will you come out and say, Donald J. Trump is wrong. The election in Arizona was fair, not stolen, and not fraudulent.
4: I, I, I have always been a straight shooter. And once, no, all, once all the facts and evidence are in. John, John, oh, come oh, on, man. Oh, I'm oh, telling oh, you. I, you have found no evidence... That the
2: election in Arizona was fraudulent or stolen from Donald Trump.
4: Donald Trump lost Arizona, period. I've said that from the very beginning. There have been isolated incidences thus far that we've identified yes. and we are prosecuting. Yes. We still have some active investigations going on, but people but can draw the their main, own conclusions. There is we, no,
2: no, people cannot draw their own conclusions.
4: There, That's the point of the law.
2: Yeah, it is. The law is that you have facts. Right. and you have fiction right the fact is the election in arizona was well run not fraudulent and not stolen from donald trump according to even your investigation
4: I, I have never said why is it, was- it so hard
2: to just say yes to that
4: I just, I guess because I've spent my entire, most of my career as a prosecutor, and we still have some ongoing cases. Let so in your
2: mind, John. you still feel like after all this, you're going to discover no. a concerted effort to steal the election from Donald Trump and, and that it was fraudulent. Is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. So why can't you say the election in 2020 was not stolen or fraudulent?
4: I will tell you this, as I said. This I, is blowing my mind. Really?
1: So, <laughs> th- Again, that was uh, October. That was just days before the uh, November election uh, midterms. And it was at least six months after Berdovich's office had already run it to ground, had already completed their probe of the 2020 election back in March of 2022, not telling John that the. Investigation was over. Basically, lying. Full stop. To John Stewart about it.
3: Lying by omission. We
1: uh, actually played that part of the interview on the show last year before the midterm elections. But we learned about his Bernovich's secret, never released por- report just last week. Thanks to its release by the new Democratic Attorney General Chris Mays. So all of that with John Stewart, w- w- with the state's top attorney, its its then top law enforcement official, Mark Burnovich with him claiming that there was serious vulnerabilities discovered in Arizona's systems. While he was doing that, his own staff had edited his claims that he gave to state lawmakers about that to remove those misleading and often out-and-out false assertions. But Brnovich did not include those edits, and we all got to see all of those edits last week, thanks to the new attorney general. So that came out uh, last week, and now Washington Post reports Arizona's Democratic governor, Katie Hobbs, is seeking a review of what her office alleges was, quote, likely unethical conduct by the state's former Attorney General Mark Brnovich, a letter sent. Uh, last week, from the governor's office to the State Bar of Arizona, follows the disclosure of records showing that Bernovich withheld findings by his own investigators, refuting claims of fraud in the 2020 election and mischaracterized his office's probe of voting in the state's largest county. And remember, he knew all of that. He he knew they found nothing. And that their expensive, all-hands-on-deck, taxpayer-funded 10,000-hours report was completed months before he lied during that interview about it with John Stewart. The letter uh, last week, signed by Governor Hobbs' general counsel, calls Bernovich's conduct, quote, harmful to our democracy, our state, and the legal profession itself. And that is correct. Because of the crap that Brnovich has been doing, it's one of the reasons that why Carrie Lake, the failed Republican governor candidate, has been able to run around and make entirely false claims that her election was stolen from her last year by the new Democratic governor, Katie Hobbs, despite any evidence that any fraud took place in 2022 in Arizona. Brnovich dismisses the allegations. He says Katie Hobbs is wrong in a statement. There is another uh, this is another uh, misguided attempt by her to defame and cancel cancel a political opponent instead of addressing the serious issues facing our state. The uh, former AG did not respond to earlier questions from The Washington Post about the new records that was released that were released by the new attorney general, but He did release a statement to local media saying he was, quote, proud of his office's work on, quote, election integrity. The state bar has now received at least eight complaints against Brnovich related to his office's probe of the 2020 election. That, according to a spokesman for the state bar association, which regulates the professional conduct of lawyers and has the power to reprimand, reprimand or disbar members. Again, Brnovich was the state's top law enforcement official, its top attorney. And he was more than happy to simply lie about all of this to the public, even though he knew better. Yes, he should be disbarred for that, in my never humble opinion. Because he is one, uh, you know, one more attorney, one more officer of the court who is now posing as a very real threat to American democracy itself. Quote, the people of Arizona had a right to know this information before the 2022 election, said uh, the new Attorney General Chris Mays in an interview last week. Maricopa County election officials had a right to know that they were cleared of any wrongdoing and every American had a right to know that the 2020 election in Arizona, which in part decided the presidency, was conducted accurately and fairly, unquote. The letter from Hobbs, uh, from her office to the state bar, argues that the news reports and documents, quote, exposed what is likely unethical conduct by Brnovich. It also notes that the conduct, quote, appears to have coincided With the period in which Brnovich and other attorneys in his office were actually negotiating and then operating under what is called a diversion agreement, an alternative to disciplinary sanction that might otherwise result from previous bar complaints and instead often involves training and other type of remediation. So he got off the hook from these previous complaints. That alleged that Brnovich had shirked his responsibility as the state's top law enforcement officer to represent two state agencies, the secretary of state's office and the Arizona Board of Regents, the governing body of Arizona's public university system. Brnovich refused to represent them. Of course, the secretary of state's office at the time was occupied by Katie Hobbs, a Democrat. So he was already in trouble with the bar even before all of this last year. I suspect the state bar, or at least I hope the state bar, is not going to be happy about these new revelations of Brnovich's corruption. The letter from Hobbs's office asked the state bar to review the files released last week and, quote, take appropriate action. Yep. Lock them up. Or at least suspend his license to malpractice law. Green News Report is next. I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad here at The Bradcast and bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. Please help us continue that fight over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com donate and thanks. We are running late, so let's uh, <laughs> yes, get right are. to it. Uh, woke Desi's latest ESG
0: Green News report. Well, the historic string of storms drenched the state and have many wondering whether our
3: drought could soon be over. Nope. Despite a series of major storms, California's historic drought continues.
1: Norfolk Southern and the other freight rail companies need to stop fighting us.
3: Nope. Railroad industry already fighting new safety regulations in the wake of the Ohio derailment disaster. Plus, record warmth across several states in the U.S. has caused trees and plants to bloom weeks ahead of schedule. Bizarre weather continues as parts of U.S. see earliest spring conditions on record.
1: Earliest spring? It's freezing out here in California. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman
3: and I'm Desi Doyen.
1: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news politics analysis and snarky comment you're traveling through another dimension a dimension not only of sight and sound but of mind there's a signpost up ahead your next stop the weather channel this is your green news report Okay, Dizzy Doyen, I don't know what you global warming people did, but whatever you're doing, it must be working because it is freezing out here in California. <laughs>
3: Well, I'm sorry that you don't like the cold weather
1: I don't like it one bit As a matter of fact, I've been in Southern California 30 years It has never been this cold So whatever you did, knock it
4: off
3: (laughs) Okay, well on to our top story A string of major atmospheric rivers Have nearly filled several of California's major reservoirs And a couple of rare blizzards Have helped push California's snowpack To nearly twice its normal levels The unexpected bounty of water Amid the deepest drought in the state in 1,200 years has prompted state and federal water managers to increase their expected allocation of water to the state's agriculture industry in 2023. Good news. However, experts say it will take more than a series of storms to make up for years of deficits. No. Here's Andrew Schwartz of the UC Berkeley Snow Lab.
1: We've gone from extreme and exceptional to kind of a moderate status, and, and that continues to shrink. We're not at a point yet where we can declare all of our drought over. We need to be able to conserve water and keep moving forward um, as though we don't have plenty of water. And every drop saved now will be available when we do have a shortage.
3: And there's also the danger that spring heat waves will trigger a fast melt of the snowpack and that could cause those reservoirs to overflow, bringing a whole different set of problems. Hydrology experts warn that California and other Western states continue to use more water than nature provides, especially as climate change is fueling A long-term drying trend
1: Isn't that just like you We get all of this rain After this longest ever drought And you're still complaining about it
3: And spring has already sprung in the U.S., thanks to a much warmer-than-normal winter. Not here. With scientists reporting early budding of flowers and trees in numerous locations, calling it, quote, another sign of climate change playing out in real time. Parts of Texas, Arkansas, Ohio, Maryland, and New York are all reporting their earliest spring conditions on record. Washington, D.C.'s iconic cherry trees are already starting to bloom. Mm. The date for peak bloom is likely to be among the earliest in history this year for the annual cherry blossom festival on march 20th that's due in part to the hard work of festival sponsor chevron whose profits doubled last year oh man since 1970 spring has warmed in virtually all of the hundreds of u.s locations that were analyzed by climate data firm climate central the southwest has experienced the largest increase average spring temperatures are six to seven degrees fahrenheit warmer in the southwest than in the 1970s and spring is not only warming but arriving earlier stressing water supplies in the west and extending the allergy season across the country
1: well that's nothing to sneeze at
3: In the Ohio train derailment disaster, House Democrats on Tuesday unveiled a bill to tighten regulations for trains transporting hazardous materials. But the lever reports that the rail industry is already fighting new safety rules announced by Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg last week. The industry's main lobbying group, the Association of American Railroads, this week said the government should delay the rulemaking process until after all investigations of the derailment are completed and demanded that any new regulations only, quote, directly address the cause of this particular accident and nothing else. (laughs) And you may see a new ad campaign by the railroad lobby group burnishing its image to stave off accountability through regulations.
1: Well, don't worry about that. The Republicans are really upset about what happened in Ohio. I'm sure they're going to make sure that railroad industry gets regulated like it should be.
3: In a related note, the Ohio train derailment disaster has also intensified efforts by environmental groups to halt a Trump administration rule that was pushed by the railroad industry, allowing the bulk transport of explosive liquefied natural gas by rail. I'm
1: sure it'll be fine
3: finally, a bit of good news. The massive city of Tokyo, Japan, will make rooftop solar panels mandatory for all new homes starting in 2025.
1: I like it. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. Let's go up on a roof. Yeah, let's go. Thank you very much, Desi Toyin. And thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. All made possible by those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay up uh, on the roof and <laughs> on your public airwaves. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons, you will find me at the BradBlog. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.